Today's program is brought to you by Brooklyn Cares Veterinary Clinic, providing the highest level of veterinary care to pets throughout the Clinton Hill neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York, and surrounding areas since its founding in 2008. For more information, visit brooklyncaresvet.com. I'm Grace Bonney of After the Jump, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Greetings and welcome to Animal Instinct here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Celia Kutcher, also known as a food healer, and we've got a really interesting show today. We're finishing up our month of rescue with speaking to Jim Horton. Jim is an expert in wild animal rescue and is a licensed wildlife trapper in Westchester County, New York. We're going to find out what he does and what happens when you call Jim to help you out when a raccoon shows up in your attic. Jim is the founder and owner of Quality Pro Pest and Wildlife Services, who uses humane methods to accomplish their goals. Hey, Jim, thanks so much for coming on the show today. We've been talking about different kinds of animal rescue, and I'm looking forward to finding out more about what you do. How are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for taking some time off of Memorial Day to talk to us. I can't. I owe you. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. I know you've got a barbecue going in the back. Yeah, I sure do. I've got a whole bunch of... Uh firefighters uh, on my deck right now. Maybe I should come to your place. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to talk about this. We got a lot of questions, so let's just get started. Okay. So your company covers Westchester County and New York State. So what kind of animals are you dealing with? Oh, this time of year, we're getting a lot of uh, squirrel, raccoon, flying squirrel, um, and we're actually getting uh, starting to get a lot of uh, coyote calls with uh, conflicts with people's pets and stuff. Really? Yeah. Um, is that a recent thing, like in the recent years, or how long have you been dealing with coyotes? Uh, coyotes, the past mm, about 10 years, you know, 8, 10 years, they've really showed up uh, um, quite often now. Uh, you know, more and more every year we're getting reports of uh, people's dogs being attacked and stuff. Wow. And, and children and stuff. So. Wow. Yeah. And where are these guys coming from? Uh, well, these, uh, I mean, coyotes were really never here before. So uh, the ones we have here are, you know, kind of larger than the ones out west. Because oh, wow. they've, uh, the coyotes made their way up into Canada and crossed with wolves and then made their way down into uh you know, from Ontario and stuff, Canada, uh-huh. down into New York. So that's why they're so much bigger over here in the east. What a trip. Yeah. Wow. And so for people that don't know anything about wild animal rescue, what do you do? What do I do? Uh, I do nuisance wildlife removal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somebody has an issue with, uh, you know, say an animal came down their chimney or has made their way into their attic or something, they'll call me and uh, I'll... I'll uh, get in there and get the animals out. And what do you do with the animals? Uh, most circumstances, we remove them, you know, unless they're sick or something, and you know, and unfortunately, we have to euthanize them unless they're, you know, they're able to be helped. We'll, we'll bring them to a vet or a rehabilitator or something, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, you know, you know, say like right now, this time of year, we get a lot of raccoons uh, that have are either in a fireplace, you know, on top of the fire ledge. Mm-hmm. Or, or in an attic, so we'll go in and we'll uh, we'll retrieve the mother and the young, and then we'll uh, we'll bring them to a rehabilitator, and they'll set them up. And a lot of times, because rehabilitators this time of year get a lot of 
you know, babies in because mm-hmm. people find them. You know, a mother gets hit by a car or something like that, uh, and babies are screaming in an attic or, mm-hmm. in a, you know, in a tree or something. So it actually helps the rehabilitators a lot when I do bring them a mother with, you know, if a mother has, like, maybe three young, yeah. they can actually add, you know, a couple that they have, to, you know, with that mother. Mm-hmm. That way that mother can, can raise them, and then they can do a release nice. you know, when they're ready. Nice. And, like, oh, let's say you catch a raccoon in Scarsdale, for example. Where do you wind up releasing them? Uh, well, we do need uh, permission to release mm-hmm. uh, in New York. So, you know, we, you know, I have several different properties where people have given me permission to release on, you know. Nice. And, and stuff. So that, that really helps us out a lot. Or you can just go to Connecticut or Jersey and, you know. <laughs> no, no, that's illegal. Actually, in Connecticut, like, uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, raccoons is a rabies-vectored species. Mm-hmm. So in Connecticut, their laws are a little different from New York's. Uh, Connecticut, we actually have to euthanize them. We cannot relocate. Really? So that's, that's an unfortunate thing there. And is that just for raccoons, or is that for all wildlife? Uh, just rabies-vectored species. Right. And what are the other ones besides raccoons? Uh, we're getting a lot of squirrels now. Oh, um, no. Bats bats are starting a, a lot now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and flying squirrels. Wow. Yeah. It's funny. I never saw a flying squirrel in Westchester. I'm glad they're there. Well, they're nocturnal, so a lot of people don't see them, but oh. they are quite numerous. Really? Yes. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, the most I've ever pulled out of uh, a single attic was 67 flying squirrels. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and that was actually a brand-new house that was built. And uh, sometimes you get uh, contractors now, the way they build houses, mm-hmm. uh, they actually left a very large uh, gap in between the roof deck and the fascia board. And uh, they didn't even have to chew their way in. They just walked right in. And oh, wow. Made a nice home for themselves. Wow. So how did you learn how to trap animals? Uh, well, growing up as a kid, I always loved animals. I was always in the woods, you know, horsing around with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I actually answered an ad in a penny saver about 16 years ago for a handyman. And uh, it, it didn't say anything about pest control or wildlife removal. Mm-hmm. Um, I answered the ad. I went for the interview, and they said, this is what we do. And, you know, probably with the pest control, I probably would have been like, eh, I don't know. You know, I don't yeah. know if I want to do that. But it, it, it had to do with wildlife, too. So I was like, let me give it a try. I love wildlife. So uh, here I am. And was it something that came to you naturally, or was it difficult for you to learn how to do this stuff? Uh uh, a little common sense, you know, and over the years you learn how the animals, you know, move and react and mm-hmm. what they do and, you know, um, and it just becomes second nature, you right. know. Right. And how dangerous is the job for the animals? For the animals or yeah. me? Well, for both of you guys, actually. <laughs> that was my next question was about you. <laughs> um, for the animals, you know, I mean, there's some, some trappers out there that just do, you know, they, they don't really think about, you know, it's birthing time. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't, they'll put a kill trap out and not think about, hey, there's, you know, there may be young inside the house and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we actually just uh, two days ago, we removed, somebody put poison in an attic mm. for, for raccoons. The mother ended up dying in the attic. Oh, no. And so did the young, unfortunately, oh. and because the, the mother died, the young weren't, weren't able to nurse, 
and uh, the people called us up because there was a very bad smell yeah, in the house, and, and that was the result. So uh, it was an un- unfortunate thing. You That's know? sad. And then if, what about you? Like, have you been torn up pretty badly? Uh, you know, I've actually been attacked by a rabid coyote. We, we've actually had one uh, one incident of a, of a rabid coyote in Westchester, and uh, I was actually the last one that had attacked. How lucky are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you have to go for like the series of rabies shots in your belly and all that? No, no. Well, they don't they don't do it in in the belly anymore unless that's where you got bit. Oh, really? Um, yeah, they uh we have our pre-exposure shots. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if we did get attacked and we did not get that specimen in for testing, then we would just get uh some uh pre-exposure, I mean post-exposure shots. Right. So, um you know, that's that's about it. But, you know, it attacked me, but it, it didn't bite me. Mm-hmm. So. But that was, uh, that, but, that was a, a pretty good experience. I mean, I can't even imagine. I worked in a vet's office, and, like, an angry domestic cat is, you know, you'll be wearing leather welding gloves, and they'll cut right through those things. And so I can't imagine dealing with something that not only is wild, it's probably terrified. So, like, what kind of equipment do you use? Oh, I've always told told people I would rather fight with a raccoon or or a rabbit coyote any day over a cat. Cat, uh, I mean they I they've got they've me. got five weapons. They've got all four claws <laughs> uh, and and their teeth. So uh, and and they're pretty good with each and every one of them. And they're a lot stronger than you think they are. When you're holding down a cat and it's finally had enough, I mean you're going to lose. There's no way. Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. a kitten would come in and hold it for vaccines. It'll be like I'm done. And it, you know, I've got yeah. the scars to prove it all over my arms. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we just had to go to a hotel. Um, it was a hotel, like I think uh, an extended stay uh, hotel, where I guess you're allowed to have pets. Uh huh. And these people, I guess, from moving from place to place, their cat kind of wised up uh, of, about being put in a cat carrier. Oh, no. And he wanted no part of it. And the people actually finally called us and asked if we can help. Really? So uh, I went in there and I actually recorded it and I put it on my, uh, on my website. Um, the, uh, the, the cat you know, gave a pretty good fight, but mm-hmm. we finally got it into the cat carrier, and it's it was just you know amazing how strong they are and how you know they can move around and stuff. Yeah, and it's you know I remember you know they say when you scruff them that they kind of freeze. There are yeah. some cats that you scruff them, they don't freeze; they just roll over and attack you even harder. You know, so it, yeah, yeah. cats are a trip. I mean, I would rather I always used to say at the vet's office, I would rather take down an angry pit bull than a chihuahua, a Shih Tzu, or a cat. I mean, those yeah. three are like the most dangerous things I've ever dealt with. Yeah, well, well, the cat. You, if you scruff them, they they can't be touching anything. As soon as they're able to touch something, then they they can move. But if they're in the air, then they won't move. Wow. So, yeah, that's the thing. As soon as you put them there, as soon as their, their foot or paw touches something, mm-hmm. that's it. They're, they're, they're going. <laughs> I wish I knew that. Where were you five years ago? Where are going to save my arms? <laughs> so what's the ultimate goal in wildlife rescue? Uh, you know, we just, you know, the ultimate goal is to help people with their, you know, or, or help animals, whichever way you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we always say we're helping uh with uh, animal and human conflicts, you know. Yeah. There, there's always conflicts going on, and, and we're there to help. And I'm assuming that your business has increased over the years? Yeah, every year we've been getting busier and busier. And is that, why is that? Why is there more wildlife? I mean, when I was in Westchester as a kid, I mean, if you saw a chipmunk, it was a big deal. Yeah. You know? 
uh, you know, I mean, like with coyotes, there's more and more habituation going on. You know, mm-hmm. we're actually doing a coyote trapping right now. And, you know, they always say, you know, haze the coyotes, scare them off. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at the point now where, you know, people are putting coins in there in, in water bottles and stuff and shaking them and trying to scare the coyotes off, and they're, they're not budging. Uh-oh. They're just looking at you like, okay, whatever. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Um, so it's, uh, you know, we've, we've had circumstances where people were feeding them pork chops, mm. you know, on school property, oh, God. you know, it's just, you know, people do the right thing and some people do the wrong thing. You and know? it's, you know, and it's a type of thing too, that people don't understand. Like, you know, it's a wild animal. We talked about this last week. I had a guest or two weeks ago. I'm sorry. I had a guest in that did wild bird rescue in Florida. And it's, yeah. you know, a wild animal will never be tame. A wild, you're not going to cuddle with this coyote because you bribed it with pork chops, you know? No. It's never going to be something. You're not having, like, a born-free moment with this animal, yeah. you know? Well, in that case, a lady said she felt bad for the coyote because she always saw it by itself, you know? Mm. So I was like, lady, you're, you're, you're not helping the situation. You're actually endangering children because the coyote's hanging around school property, you know? And, and they'll go after kids, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, we we had an issue in Rye a few years ago. Oh my God! Um, with um, you know coyotes were attacking uh, a few children. That was actually uh, I think 2010. I, I'm blown away by this. I mean, I grew up in Westchester, and it's, I'm like shocked hearing this. It's like, what happened to the area? Yeah, you know. But I guess all the progress and all the building up north, you know, the animals don't have much of a choice, so they got to keep looking for land and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't know the way they're building houses these days. They're they're leaving a lot of construction gaps, mm. um, which allows animals to get in. You yeah. know, whether it be flying squirrels, birds, bats, raccoons. Yep. You know. Yep. That's wild. Well, we need to take a quick break, so we're going to take a break for a minute, and we're talking to Jim Horton right now. We'll be back in sixty seconds and continue the conversation. Brought to you today by Brooklyn Cares Veterinary Clinic. Since 2008, Brooklyn Cares has been providing exceptional veterinary care to pets throughout Brooklyn, New York. Led by doctors Timothy Mann and Stephanie Liff, the practice advocates a gentle, holistic approach to caring for your pet and offers an impressive breadth of basic and advanced healthcare services for your dog or cat. This modern practice, conveniently located in the Clinton Hill neighborhood of Brooklyn, is fully equipped with state-of-the-art equipment to ensure that your pet receives the highest quality care, regardless of whether they're sick or injured, or simply visiting for annual wellness checkup. For more information, visit brooklyncaresvet.com.
we're back. We're talking to Jim Horton, wild animal rescue man. And Jim, I have a random question for you. What's the difference between pests and wildlife? What is the difference between pests and wildlife? Yeah. Uh, I mean, pest control, or we call it pest management nowadays. Um, that's, you know, general insects. You know, like nowadays we're dealing with a lot of uh, stink bugs. Everybody's calling about stink bugs. That's funny. And, uh, and, and rodents, you know, mice mm-hmm. and rats getting into the house and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, okay. That's pretty much the difference. You know, wildlife is wildlife. And are you seeing, like, an increase in, like, the pests that we just discussed with the increase in all the other wildlife as well? Um, yeah, we've, like, wow. this past two years, the stink bugs have taken off, um, you know, and, and like, now we're getting a lot of calls because people are, are starting to see them a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that is because the ones they're seeing, seeing right now are the overwintering stink bugs. They're, they've already been in the house, mm. and with the warm weather, they're starting to come out of you know the woodwork, as yeah. they say. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of times people have recessed lighting or spaces and gaps that mm-hmm. lead into the house, and, and that's, that's why they see them. Right. Um, but most of the time, like right now, they're in the trees, they're eating leaves and stuff, they're laying their eggs. For, for the new ones, and they've actually been saying that, um, you know, hopefully this winter put a pretty good dent in them yeah. because it was so cold. But uh, I don't know. We're seeing a, a lot of activity. And are these are these bad for the environment? Um, well, they are an invasive species. They okay. actually ended up in the uh, they came into Pennsylvania, uh, I believe, in the uh, the nineties, mm-hmm. and um, you know they've just exploded from there. Unreal. Uh, yeah. And this is one of the things, too. I mean, I, do you know how they got here? Uh, they actually came, I believe, from Asia to a nursery in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's, that's what I was assuming. And it's like this is one of the things, you know, when people go on vacations, not that this is specifically this case, but when people go on vacation and they smuggle something back, like a plant or a piece of fruit or what it can be, I mean, this can really start these kind of problems. So. You know, even though you really want that mango coming back from your vacation in Jamaica, like, you really should just eat it at the airport, you know, because you don't even know if there's anything on it, really. Yeah. It's absolutely wild. And so do you deal with any injured animals? Yeah, we get a lot of calls. Like, right now, we're getting a lot of calls for fawns. People are calling up. Oh. They're, you know, they see a fawn curled up in the bushes mm-hmm. uh, on their property. And I'm like, no, just leave it alone. Don't touch it. Uh, unless you see flies and stuff hovering around it, mm-hmm. that means there is an issue. That means the mother's not caring for the fawn, and and it's you know the flies are landing on it and laying their eggs on it. Yeah. And that, now there's a problem, but uh, it it is perfectly fine to see a fawn you know laying under a bush mm-hmm. all day long. The mother will leave it all day long and then come back for it in the evening. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Wow, that's something you wouldn't. I would never expect that from a prey animal. Yeah. Well, that's not a prey animal. Or not a prey animal. I'm sorry. A, what is it? The <laughs> My brain is just shut off. It's like the victim animal. Uh, we we got animal. problems if deer are prey animals. <laughs> what it, what's, I'm like, now I'm like, predator, no, that's not it either. It's, you know, the ones. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, they are prey animals. I mean, coyotes go after deer. So, But, but they're definitely not the, the <laughs> traditional prey animals. <laughs> yeah. So do you wind up doing any rehabilitation yourself? Uh, I am not licensed to, to do rehabilitation. I, I, 
I can hold on to an animal for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I do try and find a rehabilitator, which this year we are definitely in, in shortage of rehabilitators. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, the other day I was holding three three female raccoons with young. Uh, one had seven, one had five, wow. and one had four. Um, and I was, you know, frantically trying to find somebody to be able to take them, mm. you know. Uh, it's it's unfortunate. You know, we're, we're running short on, on rehabbers. It's the same thing with the dogs and the cats. You know, it's every rehab that's doing dog and cat in the city right now is pretty much full because of puppy and kitten season. And so, yeah. you know, it's it's heartbreaking when you can't do anything. But So when you get animal, like when you're holding these raccoons, do you just have like a million cages and carriers in your home or at your office? Um, I actually have a very large shed, and outside of that shed, I have a um, like a Shelter Logic um, tarp garage, mm-hmm. and I actually have had donated um, from the animal control in my town. Uh, the animal control uh, gentleman in my town uh, had stainless steel um, holding uh, kennels, which nice. he donated to me, which was really helpful. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I'm able to, you know, put animals in there for, you know, again, like I said, 24 hours until I can find somebody to take them. Mm-hmm. And then is that the maximum amount of t- maximum amount of time that you can keep them for? Uh, that I'm allowed, yeah. Yeah. So, like, what happens if so, if you can't find someone in 24 hours? Uh, that's the tough one, you yeah. know. It's, it's you know, uh, other than that, i got to either do a soft release in, in one of my areas that I have, you know, permission to release on. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll set it up in, a, in a, like, a, a large dog crate, mm-hmm. and I'll put it on the property, and I'll put food and everything in there, and mm-hmm. I'll just, uh, you know, in the evening I'll open the door, and uh, a lot of times they'll just, take the young and, and move them somewhere else. And what happens if you rehome an animal into a new area? Will they stay there or do they try to go back? Uh, you, know, you hear a lot of back and forth about that. Um, I've never experienced it myself, but you hear people, oh, I spray-painted the squirrel's tail and I drove it 12 miles away and uh, I went home and I saw it back at my property. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've never experienced that myself. I mean, not that I go and spray paint squirrels' tails, but um, I've actually released on my property here, uh, you know, squirrels, Mm -hmm. and they stay here. You know, there's plenty of people uh, in my neighborhood that feed the birds and stuff, Mm -hmm. and I see them still here. They they haven't left. They've They've lived here perfectly fine. That's very cool. And what are the biggest threats that you see for wild animals in Westchester? I'm sorry, what's the what? What are the biggest threats that you see for wild animals in Westchester County? Oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, you know. Um, you know, we, we keep building and, and stuff. You know, we're, we're uh, unfortunately, they're not building the houses properly, and, uh, yeah. and animals are able to get into them. But, uh yeah, you know, traffic, cars, people, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, that's it. Uh, disease, too, you know, we, we've got, I believe, actually, as of, I think, two weeks ago, Westchester was number one in New York State for um, rabies. Whoa. Yeah. So, uh, actually, this this uh, past week, we had an instance where somebody left five raccoons, five baby raccoons in a cage in front of the health department's uh, wow. front door. So we've been trying to find out who had those raccoons, you know. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, that's potential, you know, rabies uh, transmission there. 
And when you're talking about like the highest levels of rabies, is there do you have a number or percentage of like how many cases you guys are seeing or? Uh, exact numbers, I don't know. You'd have to actually go on the um, Westchester County Health Department's website and, and find that out. Fair enough. Do you think it's like hundreds or thousands or? Like, no, I just have no, no, no. I have no idea. It's, so. it's probably like 30, 50, okay. you know, something like that. It's crazy, too, because, I mean, it's, you know, rabies with all the vaccinations and all that, one would think that you could almost eradicate it, but as long as the wild animals have it and they're not getting vaccinated, I guess it just keeps going, you know? Yeah, well, we find, like, every, I think it's, like, every 11 or so years you get a little spike in it. Funny. Oh, so I'm, I'm not sure why that is, but uh, that's what we've been finding. What a trip. And what is it about the wild animals that appeals to you? Uh, you know, it's something different every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not the type of person to be sitting in a cubicle every day doing the same thing over and over oh, yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> with, with animals, it's always something different, always something you got to try and figure out. Hey, how do I got to get this animal out of this house? You know, how are we going to set this up mm-hmm. and, and, and fix the, uh, the problem, you know? So it's, it's always, a uh, you know, detective work a little bit, you know, yeah. common sense, how the animals move, react, do this, do that, you know. You must be really, really good at this by now, just knowing body language and of all these different species, you know, you have to. Yeah, we're getting there. There's always something, uh, you know, everybody says, you know, oh, wildlife expert Jim Horton. I, I, I never consider myself an expert. There's always something new to learn. You I know? hear you. Always something new to learn. I hear you. I think it's a dangerous word, and I apologize now for using it in the intro, but it's, um, I'm always leery of people who will openly say, well, I'm an expert, you know, it's, I agree with you. I feel that there is always more to learn and that, you know, that's part of the joy of doing things that you love is be able, being able to learn more about them and to get better at them. So yeah, absolutely. And let's see, is there a wildlife rehabilitation center anywhere nearby you for permanently injured animals that maybe the public can go to? Um, center, no. Um, there are wildlife rehabilitators um, all over the county. Um, you know, so what people, you know, when people call me you know, with an injured songbird or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, I have a bunch of rehabilitators on my phone, so I'll give them that number, or I'll actually tell them to go on the New York State um, DEC um, you know, website, and you'll you'll be able to find a uh, rehabilitator in your area mm-hmm. from from there. Cool. But uh, yeah, you know, I think it would be pretty cool if we could get a um, a rehabilitation center, you know, up and running in this area. That'd be great. Yeah, I do too, because the education is so important, you know, and I definitely people in Westchester love animals, and so I think it would be a great, great thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just like, you know, like the ASPCA for um, for dogs and cats, you know, mm-hmm. it would be great to have one for, for wildlife. Totally, totally. And are you guys seeing as many skunks as you used to in the old days? Um, yeah, skunks are actually starting to pick up a lot right now. Um, the the young have just been born the past couple weeks. Mm. So when we usually get a, a lot of our calls are like the third week of June mm-hmm. when the young are starting to venture out. So people will call us up and say, oh, there's a bunch of skunks on our front yard, you know, <laughs> or <laughs> coming out from under our shed. Panic. That's yeah, that's, so it's yeah. That's when we get to take some uh, cute pictures of cute little baby skunks. Oh, I love them! Like I have a fantasy of having a pet skunk. I've always have. I yeah. Love well, them. they say they make the, they they make really good uh, pets as long as you uh, 
get them descended there. I, I've heard that they never get totally deskunked. Like even if the glands are gone, that you'll still get like residual skunk stank. So well, it's like ferrets. You know, they, totally. they, they are part of the weasel family. So you know, even ferrets, when you descent them, you still have that that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's those little glands that you can never get out of them. That musky ferrety smell. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you think is your favorite story of all the years that you've been doing this? My favorite story? Yeah, what's your favorite incident? Oh, we've had so many. Um, you know, we've, we had a, an African serval that got away from a property in Bedford Hills that made its way down to the Mount Pleasant area. We had to, to trap that. Um, that, was, that was fun. Wow. Was that a pet? Uh, that was somebody's exotic pet. Oh yeah, my God. yeah, somebody by the name of Michael Steinhardt or Steinert or something like that. Hmm. Um, he's he has a bunch of exotic pets and everything like that. And um, actually, the when I we got the animal, I had to bring it to a vet to see if it had a microchip in it, and oh, it wow. did. And we found out who the vet was. I brought it to that vet. And the vet was like, oh, come in the back. Let me show you something. Oh, no. And uh, I went in the back room with him, and he's like, oh, take a look at this. And it was a, um, a wallaby. What? And the wallaby had a cast on it, and it oh. got hit by a car. And oh. I was like, he's like, the same guy owns, owns this animal. I was like, well, does this guy know how to keep his animals on his property? Seriously? I mean, there's, there's something wrong here. If, you know, I've got his cat, and, and, and there's a wallaby here with a broken leg. They got hit by a car. Unreal. So, you know, that kind of was a little upsetting. I'm kind of amazed that it's legal. Yeah. You know? It's, I don't know. I, yeah. I think they have to get some sort of special permit or something for that. Well, apparently you don't need special fencing. So, yeah, that's a pity. God, <laughs> <laughs> unreal. I didn't uh, even get a thank you from that guy for that either. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. You know? People. Yeah, I helped my town out with that one. Seriously, I mean that's not even that's like that's an animal that not even pe- people don't even know what it is. It's like there's some freaky cat in the neighborhood, you know, like yeah, it was a be- beautiful animal though, really beautiful. Well, yeah, gorgeous, but will scare the hell out of you if you're not familiar with what it is, and you know, walking yeah. a dog at eight a.m. I can I can't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Forget it. Like, run, Fluffy, run. You know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jim. Last question for you. What's your favorite wild animal? My favorite of all wild animals. Yeah. Uh, in this area? In wherever area. Uh, you know, I, I have to say the coyote because they're very, you know, adaptive, um, very hard to trap. You know, they're, they're, they're very sly. They're, they're pretty slick. Mm. Um, you know, it's just amazing how they're, uh, they're able to work around us and, uh, and do what they have to do to survive. And they're beautiful. They are. They are a beautiful animal. They really, really are. Uh, well, Jim, thank you so much for talking to us. I wanted to know if you could give us some information for any listeners that may need your assistance or sort of have any questions. So can you tell us your website and how to get in touch with you? Uh, website is um, www.qualitypropest.com. Um, an even easier one, which would redirect you to that, would be qualitypropause, P-A-W-S. Uh, dot com. Cool. Cool. Jim, thank you so much, so much, so much for taking time from your barbecue. I'm going to let you go back out there and hang out with the firemen and the buddies. Please thank them for all the great work that they've done from all of us here at Heritage Radio Network. Um, I'm Celia. I'm the food healer. If you want to try to find me, you can find me at foodhealer.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great Memorial Day, and we'll talk to you next week. 
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.